0: I thought it was very fitting that it was raining this morning as we are celebrating Water Day. It was in the middle 80s when I went to Haiti for the first time. Then I was working with the International Planned Parenthood Federation as the head of research and evaluation. And as such, I visited family planning clinics throughout Latin America and the Caribbean and also some here in the United States. As my host this time and I were walking towards a clinic in Port-au-Prince, I noticed these little children washing their hands and their arms in uh, in a muddy puddle on the road. These children reminded me of my childhood, when I loved to play in puddles left by the rain. I put all kinds of leaves and little things just to see them floating, except that these these waters that I was playing with were clean, fresh, and uncontaminated. On my return to home, I told my children what I had seen. They thought I was exaggerating, of course, to have them feel bad for the children in Haiti. So later, on another trip there, I invited my youngest daughter, Shani, to come with me. And would you believe it? We both saw little children washing their hands, and worse yet, this time, they were drinking from a puddle on the road, minutes after a truck had just passed by, and, and the muddy water had just settled a little bit. They were just scooping that water and drinking it. So the shock of seeing these children drinking dirty water on the road moved me to really, really appreciate the privilege of water in my life and to increase my personal practice of conserving this precious resource. A few years later, I was doing my ministerial internship in Wheeling, West Virginia, of all places. As I usually did on Saturday mornings, I was listening to what? National Public Radio. The topic this time was the horrible situation created in a certain country whose source of water, a wardening river, was being controlled by a neighboring country. The flow of this river was diverted to irrigate the crops of the more powerful country. This caused parching of the fields and making it very difficult for the people whose water was denied to have enough water for drinking and for washing. This is really something. It had never occurred to me that somebody, that a country or anybody would steal water in such massive amounts. I was very sad and angry at the suffering of so many innocent people. Since then, I have seen documentaries, and you have also, I imagine, on how the people in Texas, for example, have controlled the waters of the Rio Grande, as it's called in Mexico, and bringing tremendous additional hardships for the subsistence of the people in the Baja Peninsula and in northern Mexico. And this is happening also in other places in the world. Because many national and municipal governments claim to lack what is necessary to construct new aqueducts or to repair deteriorated water systems, they are increasingly turning to private corporations for solutions and to manage the water. We all know that this means, in the majority of the cases, greediness sets in with the consequent manip- manipulation of this precious life-sustaining resource. The price of water increases, along with cut-offs for those unable to pay the high price- prices demanded by the corporations. I was astonished when I went uh, one time in to South America, one of the countries, and I saw these trucks bringing water, and people that barely had to eat something to eat had to pay for a gallon of water. This was so outrageous to me. And it's happening in the United States also. Another devastating cause of pollution and scarcity of water among indigenous populations here in the United States and in several other countries is the overextraction and contamination of surface and groundwater by mining. Glamis Gold, the largest mining conglomerate in the world, operates mines that are depleting water in Nevada as well as in Guatemala, Honduras, and Mexico. We all know the dire consequences of this water depletion in the subsistence and income-generating small agriculture. We have been been turned into consumers. We have denied the right to subsist, lamented Martín Eraso, the president of a local Guatemalan community. The changing climate has drastically affected hundreds of towns in Texas Whose water systems are drastically rationing water. I don't know, maybe you probably saw this documentary last week about what is happening in Texas. The town of Robert Lee, for example, has cut consumption by 80%, and several other towns have been forced to buy water from faraway resources. With the benefits of modern life, we have become increasingly separated from the natural sources of water. Instead of fetching our water from rivers, brooks, wells, or rain, we just open a faucet thousands of miles away from the source, and there it is, abundant abundant water, hot or cold, any way we want it. This separation from the source and the easiness with which we obtain water could lead to a sense of entitlement and lack of gratitude for this precious gift. Also, it could make us forgetful of the nearly 900 million people around the world who go through their day without clean, safe water to drink. I don't know about you, but the more I learn of the tragedies provoked by human-made scarcity of water, I ask, what gives the right to the oppressors to think that they deserve better than those to whom they deny the water? And most importantly, what can I do to help the oppressed? There is much I can do, of course, and there is much we all can do. And the beauty of it is that here at First Parish, we had leaders in the environmental Tax force and others that are showing us the way. A few weeks ago, um, some of you remember who attended, that uh, this environmental task force here at First Parish, in joint, jointly with this Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, brought Cynthia Barnett, who spoke about what he wrote in this book called The Blue Revolution. Some of you remember. I recommend this book. I don't like to bring books to the pulpit. But this really is a beautiful work of art. And she narrates here many, many of the problems around the world and in the United States. And he's calling for an ethic of water in the nation and of course around the world. And to me, the most important part is that she brings a lot of examples of solutions to the problem of scarcity of water. Here in in the Boston area, uh, apparently in the 80s, you or the people around here, suffered the, the crunch of the water, they didn't have enough, and they were facing with, with having to ration, and some people in the government wanted to channelize the Connecticut River and bring the water to Boston, building pipes. But other people with better sense said, no, we can do better than that, and so they decide, the municipality decide to uh, replace the corroded pipes, to fill uh, all the holes that were draining the water, and also to invite the people to ration water. And now, the problem apparently is what to do with the excess water that is in the largest reservoir in this country, in this state also, the Kwabin, you know that one. And that's, uh, that's a success story. So I wanted to mention that, and it's contained in this book. So if you can, please read it. As we conscientiously practice our Unitarian Universalist principles, we become ethical stewards and consumers of our Mother Earth's life-sustaining elements. Oh, how I wish that all of us and all over the world, people knew and practiced our principles. Just imagine if we treated each person affirming their inherent worth and dignity. And imagine that would hap- what would happen if all our human relations our, and our relations with other species embodied justice, equity, and compassion. I can tell you what would happen. We will have a world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. Our principles prompt us to think globally and to act individually and communally. Being connected in heart and mind to the web of life makes it easier to be mindful in our actions and help us avoid wasting food and water. I'm sure all of us here are already doing all we can to be the best stewards of the environment. A good way to acquire a passion for being in solidarity with those destitute of their rights to water And to regain a sense of awe and gratitude for the amazing gift of it is to practice spiritual literacy. According to Frederick and Mary Ann Broussard, authors of the book of that title, Spiritual Literacy, which I also recommend, spiritual literacy is the ability to read the signs written in the text of our own experiences, whether viewed as a gift of God or as a skill to be cultivated, this facility enables us to discern and decipher a world full of meaning. To me, there is nothing more exciting and uplifting than to read the meaning of my experiences or to give meaning to my existence by communing with nature. Nature is such a great teacher. I believe that is why at the 1995 General Assembly of Unitarian Universalists, we adopted as the sixth source of our living tradition, the spiritual teachings of the Earth-centered traditions, which celebrate the sacred rhythms of nature. And as you know, the transcendentalists left a rich legacy of deciphering a world of meaning. To Rivaldo Emerson, even a puddle of snow or water could bring delight and self-knowledge. Crossing a bear common, says he, in snow puddles at twilight under a cloudy sky, without having in my thoughts any occurrences of special good fortune, I have enjoyed a perfect exhilaration. I am glad to the brink of fear." Water as one, as one of the most essential elements of our existence, can be both physical and spiritual life giver. Thomas Merton reflects on a particular experience with water thus, what a thing is to sit absolutely alone in the forest at night, cherished by this wonderful and intelligible, perfectly innocent speech. The most comforting speech in the world, the talk that rain makes by itself all over the ridges, and the talk of the water courses everywhere in the hollows. Nobody started it. Nobody is going to stop it. It will talk as long as it wants. This rain, as it talks, I am going to listen. If we pay attention and listen carefully, we can appreciate how, like water, our feelings at times shift at the least provocation. It happens to me. One moment upon hearing a compliment, we feel strong like torrential rain. On another moment, listening to a false accusation or to an unflattering comment about us, we feel as if our strength has evaporated or reduced to a trickle. Water also can teach us patience, persistence, resilience. How not to marvel at the artwork of water on rocks, driftwood, and in the glorious stalagmites and stalactites? By adapting to the space available and taking the form of any container, water can also teach us fluidity, flexibility, and yielding. And since water always naturally goes to the lowest places, it can teach us humility as well. I want to end these reflections on water with the following poem by Joanna Macy. What are you? What am I? Intersecting circles of water, earth, air, and fire, that's what I am, that's what you all are. Water, blood, lymph, mucus, sweat, tears, inner oceans tugged by the moon, tides within and tides without, streaming fluids floating ourselves, washing and nourishing through endless riverways of gut and vein and capillary, moisture pouring in and through and out of you, of me, in the vast poem of the hydraulical cycle. You are that. I am that. And the same fire that flashed into the primordial soup, catalyzing the birth of organic life. You were there, I was there, for each cell of our bodies is descended in an unbroken change from that event. May we all be blessed with abundant gratitude for being descendants of that amazing primordial soup and for the benefits of water. May we as individuals and as congregation of faith unite with the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, to which we dedicate this Sunday, to do social justice work and all that we can do. May this beloved congregation be able to quench the spiritual thirst of those who come to us searching for a spiritual oasis, and may our lives, like ever-flowing streams, reach and merge into the infinite ocean of love, justice, and compassion. Amen and blessed be.